0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this Revelation Podcast study number five. Hi, Brad. Hi, Scott. <laughs> this is five studies going deeper into the printed words on the page in the hope and the effort of finding hidden gems all about our awesome God, Yahweh, and his chosen King, Yeshua, Jesus. Hallelujah. I hope, yeah, hallelujah. I hope we can take to heart what we find here so we may know and experience a relationship full of love and joy forever and ever with the awesome almighty, this is Brad.
1: And this is Scott. And this is Not About Us.
0: Yes, I sincerely hope that these podcast studies have been helpful to our listeners and have encouraged their own chase investigating the mysteries of God. Amen. As always, if I say anything that does not ring as truth, please disregard what has been said. But if by chance I say something or I make some connection that might sound like truth to you, then that might be truth from the Spirit. And I hope that does get planted in your hearts, at least enough that maybe it'll encourage you to look deeper yourself. That's always what this is about. It's not about us. It's about you and your relationship with Yahweh God. The best way to find these hidden gems, though, is, as always, to invite the Spirit in and let the Spirit lead our study. So, Scott, if you would please open this study up with a prayer.
1: No problem. Yahweh, you're amazing. It's it's too difficult to say new words to come up every time, so I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to tell you again, you're amazing, and we love you, and we just invite you in, and we give you this time. Uh, we just want to praise you and magnify your name. Yahweh God, you are everything. As Brad said, this is not about us. It's all about you. So glorify yourself today. Again, I know I've prayed that before, but uh, I'll pray it again. Glorify yourself. It doesn't have to be new to be right. We just thank you. We love you and we praise you. You're awesome. And take it away, God.
0: Thank you, Scott. I love the opening prayer because as we mentioned before, prayer is conversation. So now my hope is that the conversation that we started with that prayer will continue into our study. Last time, we ended with verse 5, and today we will continue with verse 6. Let's read them together. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So last time we talked about Jesus and his love for us, and his sacrifice and what happened when he conquered death. Today, we will see what that means for us. The first thing that stands out to me in verse 6 is that Jesus made us kings and priests unto God. Let's spend some time on kings I like my literal translation, which says, and has made a sovereign and priest to his Elohim and father. This translation states sovereign. So I looked into that word. Now, this is not from the concordance. This is just me looking into what sovereign means, just from, you know, your standard dictionary. But the definition is a supreme ruler, especially a monarch and possessing supreme or ultimate power. So what does that mean for us? God is sovereign, which means he is the supreme authority and all things are under his control. This makes me think that if we are sovereign as well, then we have supreme authority and we should have all things under control. But we have to be working for God. The focus here is on God, not us. He's the true sovereign one. We have nothing that the Father does not give us. So, if we want to have this supreme authority, have everything under control, it's not something that we can do. It has to come from The Father. If we want this special responsibility, then we need to remember that God is sovereign and it is His will that must be done, and it will be done. I also like the Passion Translation, which says, And to the one who has appointed us as a kingdom of priests to serve God and Father. Yes, we will be kings if we follow the one true king. But I also like the idea that we are a kingdom under God and for God. Like a lot of baby Christians, when I first read this, I immediately jumped to the excitement of, I get to be king! And selfishly, I thought, all about the rewards that would come from that. I don't think you're alone in that. I thought about having authority over others and power. I realized that I was like James and John when... They asked to sit at the right and the left of Christ when he came into his glory. As told in Mark 10:35 through 45 I'll read it quickly, this is the Passion Translation. Jacob and John, sons of Zebedee, approached Jesus and said, Teacher, will you do a favor for us? What is it you're wanting me to do? He asked. We want to sit next to you when you come into your glory, they said. One at your right, hand and the other at your left. Jesus said to them, you don't have a clue what you're asking for. Are you prepared to drink from the cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? And are you able to endure the baptism into death that I am about to experience? They replied, yes, we are able. Jesus said to them, you will certainly drink from the cup of my sufferings and be immersed into my death. But to have you sit in the position of highest honor is not mine to decide. It is reserved for those whom grace has prepared them to have it. Now the other ten disciples overheard this, and they became angry and began to criticize Jacob and John. Jesus gathered them all together and said to them, Those recognized as rulers of the people and those who are in top leadership positions rule oppressively over their subjects, but this is not the example you are to follow you are to lead by a different model if you want to be the greatest one then live as one called to serve others the path to promotion and promise comes by having the heart of a bond slave who serves everyone for even the son of man did not come expecting to be served by everyone but to serve everyone and to give his life as the ransom price in exchange for the salvation of many so
1: I really like that uh, that translation. You don't have a clue. <laughs>
0: you don't have a clue. I mean, it's pretty direct, but it's so true. They had no clue at this point, yeah, <laughs> what was going to happen. And the difference is, we do. We have some idea. We we mm-hmm. we can read scripture. We know what Jesus is going to go through, but we do the same thing. Yeah, we immediately go, okay, I'm a king. I, th- that means I get to be at your right or your left. I get to be in a seat of honor. You know, I don't know if we really think about what that
1: really means. No, I think you're right. Um, I come across so many people who do exactly that. They, they say, I am a king. I have been raised up on high. Uh, God has made me victorious. I'm more than a conqueror and all of these things. Not realizing not connecting the fact that that Jesus said, you're a king, this is how you rule in my kingdom, by becoming the least of these. This is how you attain that position, and this is what you do when you're a king. I mean, Jesus himself, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and look what he did by stepping away from his divinity, making himself the least of all, I mean, I've said this before, even if, even if Jesus came to earth and was the greatest ruler on earth, he was raised up in a physical castle, temple, whatever, and had the glory of Solomon and wonderful robes and food and gold and treasure, he still reduced himself by coming here from godhood. So, and then to take that a step further and become just a, a simple carpenter's son, And not to be a king on earth, uh, a physical king is going to sound, might get a few chuckles, going to sound gross, whatever. But I mean, Jesus came to earth and he had to poop. (laughs) I mean, think about that for a second. God came to earth and had to go through what we go through as human beings in our daily lives. And this is the example he's telling us, he's setting for us. No you're absolutely right i I agree with you I don't think a lot of i think a lot of people grab that. I am more than a conqueror. He has lifted me up, and they don't see jesus going yeah i I have lifted you up, and this is what I'm lifting you up to to be someone who serves everyone else
0: absolutely and I like this translation too because uh we've talked about it before, but um it says bond slave and I won't rehash it but I like the idea of being a slave to Christ. I just do. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of good things that come from that. Uh, that might not be PC nowadays. I don't know. Saying I would like to be a slave, that uh, that might be a little iffy. But but when you actually look at it from what their perspective of what a slave was, I want to be that to Jesus. So, like Jacob and John, I had the wrong idea here. To be a king in the kingdom of God means to be a servant. If the greatest king of all time, Scott just mentioned this, could bring himself to the lowest position for those he loved, then this is the frame of mind I need to have as well. Instead of asking Jesus if he would give them a place of honor, I believe it should have been Jacob and John asking Jesus what could they do to honor him. Yeah. So... I'm self-convicting myself here, but uh, I do this a lot. In prayer, I ask for things. I ask for so many things. And very rarely do I ask God, what can I do for you? So I think it's very, very important, especially going into the days of the Lord that we are actively looking at here. um, I think we need to find more ways to honor God. And that's my mission. Now, that being said, there are still times in prayer you need to ask for things. I frequently, I don't think this is wrong. I ask for guidance. I ask for wisdom. I ask for knowledge to help me understand Scripture. Lately, I've been asking for wisdom to help me pass on in the podcast things that God would want me to share, not just things that I think he would want me to share. So I do think it's important that we ask. Ask for healing. If you've got something going on that you can't beat, ask for healing. That's okay. But I do think it's important that we stop focusing so much on being the king and focus more on being the servant that he wants us to be.
1: And again, how how intertwined they are. A lot of people don't realize that we tend to focus on one aspect of it all and and think, you know, oh yeah, that that's for me. We don't we fail to see how often they're so connected and a part of each other. And just, I love the way in that story you've brought it back to me. And again, we've talked about this before. I've read this story before. I know this story, I know what's going on, but I appreciate the fact that you're just opening my eyes in a new way, uh, hitting, me, hitting my heart in, in a way here to just see how connected a servant slash slave is. And the king is in the kingdom of heaven. You can't have one without the other. You can't be one without being the other.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's also <laughs> something that uh, was told to me one time that I think is interesting anyway, is even if you're just middle class nowadays, even if you're low, lower class you still live better than kings did, you know, a hundred years ago. Yeah, <laughs> you have, you have the the running water for the most part. Not all of us. There are some poor souls out there that don't have these things. But for the majority of us, we have things that they could only dream about, even just a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. So here we are, living. I'm self-convicting here. I'm not. I don't want my listeners to be like, oh, stop preaching to us. No, this is. This is me saying that I am guilty of this. I am guilty of being selfish. I'm guilty of uh, asking for things and not appreciating the things. So it's my mission right now while I'm doing this study, while I'm reading these things. It's my mission. I've got this conclusion. It's my mission to go forward and to try to realize that, no, I need to be more servant, less Of the king, or at least the view of the king that we have in modern society. I need to stop celebrating being privileged and I need to start being a servant. If we seek the wants and desires that God has for our lives because he is working good for us, I know in my own life, the times that I have been doing this, the times that I have acted more like a servant, I can truly say they are the best times of my life. The worst times are when I was feeding my selfishness. So I think it is important to remember that the that this physical life that we have right here, right now, this is not our home. Heaven is our home, and this is just the temporary existence. Those of us who are in Christ should be trying to bring our home, heaven, here, Mm -hmm. so others can see and maybe be convinced or convicted, if necessary. And maybe they will want to be citizens of our kingdom as well. So what I'm trying to say is that I think we need to really work on putting God first and accept all of his promises and all of his mercies. In Isaiah 63, 7 through 10, we see God's endless mercy right here. I will tell again of the faithful, gracious acts of Yahweh and praise him for everything he has done for us the wonderful goodness, the riches of his mercy, which he has shown to the house of Israel, and the abundance of his endless love. For he said, truly, they are my loyal children who will not act deceitfully. He became their savior. When they suffered, he suffered with them. The angel of his presence saved them. Out of his enduring love and compassion, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them in his arms and cared for them all the days of old. But they rebelled against him and grieved his Holy Spirit. Only then did he turn against them. He became their enemy and fought against them. Do you see all the amazing things God does for you when you let him be king and when we look for ways to honor him He has mercy and an endless love. He is our Savior. He suffers with us so we may not be alone. And his angels protect us. He lifts us up and carries us in his arms. Scott, this is a beautiful picture. Yeah. But what a fearful and dreadful thought it is that we can grieve the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. and then he will be a judge against us.
1: No, go ahead. I I was going to say this reminds me... um homeschooling my son we would have bible study and we'd be going over the old testament and story after story after story after story after story after story about god saves the israelites and they rejoice and then they rebel against him and god saves the israelites from that and they rejoice and they rebel against him and god saves it and so on and so on and it just it repeats to the point where you, it's almost laughable and as i'm telling my son a talking to my son about this, and he's just sitting there amazed, going, what is wrong with them? And I wanted him to have that reaction. I wanted, you know, what th- this is ridiculous. What What is wrong with them? Why can't they see? Why can't there be a certain number of times where they figure it out and go, okay, we're not gonna fall into the same traps again. And then I brought it back around and said, all right, now this, you see how crazy and stupid and and ridiculous it was for them to keep doing this, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now we all do it. Now when it happens in your life, are you going to have the same reaction? Are you going to learn? Or are we going to keep repeating this same pattern? And you're right. God lifts us up. He wants to make us on high. He wants to make us his kings. He wants to make us his royalty, his heirs. And we keep rejecting him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've done it multiple times in a day before. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been on fire in the morning, been a little depressed in the afternoon, and been in fire again in the, in the evening. I mean, it, it's it is sad, and and I've I've heard people say the same thing. Why couldn't these Israelites just get it together? Well, you can't judge that because then you have to judge yourself. Right. You know, I'm sure even Billy Graham had his days where he wasn't on fire we all do Mm -hmm. but that thought that thought of being in rebellion to god it terrifies me that thought but i then have to admit i am in rebellion to god frequently
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and uh you know that's just something i'm gonna work on i would encourage others to to search themselves and see where they're lacking and and go to God with that as well. But remember, we have a God, and thank God we do, we have a God that blessed us with his Messiah. So even though we go down the same path, even though we'll have days where we're on fire and days where we're not, we'll have days where we will fall back into the sins that tempt us and we'll come out maybe feeling ashamed and guilt. We'll have those days of failure, but we have the Messiah. Lucky for us that we are blessed because God loved us so much, we can be reconciled by the blood of the Messiah. Now, I also never put much thought into what it would mean to be part of a kingdom with many kings serving the one true king. Yes, there's going to be these great and wonderful rewards, but not because we deserve him, but because the God we are under is awesome and wants fellowship with us. However, the more I think about this, being a king under God means we still have a purpose and a responsibility to fulfill. And also, we're going to be priests unto God. So not only do we have purpose of being God's kingdom, but we will also have purpose to worship and teach others to worship our God. All of this started me thinking about as some impressive leaders in Scripture, and how they did kingdom work while here now in the fallen world. I thought of Joseph, who was betrayed by his brothers and sold into slavery. He was then a victim of a lie that got him thrown in jail. But even through all of these trials, he never lost sight of the fact that his true king is Yahweh God. And because of that, he was given a wonderful gift that would help him become a great leader in Egypt. He was given the gift of interpreting dreams from God. He then used this gift to interpret God's message for others. And then he forgives his family, and he saved them and all of Egypt from famine. His brothers thought for sure that he would want revenge, but Joseph tells them that God brought good from everything that happened. He acted as a wise leader, but was also a good priest for God. So that made me think, how can I be a king? How can I be a good servant? And how can I make sure God's getting the glory and honor for that? Much like Joseph did here. I don't have conclusions to give you. I don't have the, don't have the answer book. Just uh-huh. something I'm thinking of. This study is for everyone, but it's also my study and I look at the things that hit me hard. And this is what hit me hard right now is I need to not focus on the selfishness. I need to focus on being the servant. So if that helps... That. Yeah. So if that helps you... Great, (laughs) but that's also my focus. So, we are kings and priests unto God, and then the verse continues and ends with, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. My Institute for Scripture Research Bible puts it this way, to him be the glory and the rulership forever and ever, amen. So here we see that the true ruler will always be God. So my plan from here on out is to start asking my king what can I do for him so it might go well with me.
1: Can awesome. I jump in right there? Go. Go for it. No, that's, it, it's just hitting me too. What you're saying is completely lining up with that because it's just, it's just hitting me right now. There, there are other places in Revelation and so on where it says, His is the power. And the glory and all that. And and they're just saying he is. This one, it says, read, read it again real quick.
0: To him be the glory and the rulership forever and ever, or so, the King James, to him be glory and
1: dominion, dominion. forever. And ever. To him be. So this is this is an offering. This is not a statement of fact. This is... They're not saying glory and dominion are his. They're saying to him we are giving. Essentially, to him be the glory. And am I walking right into what you were just about to say? Because you, you're, this, this, is a, this is a servant's heart saying, God, you rule us.
0: I love, I love when this happens. Uh, the reason Scott's asking that is he probably saw the smile on my face. <laughs> I want you to continue. Please continue your thought. I'm going to go into a little bit of detail on the same thing, and that's the reason I'm smiling is because when, when the two witnesses come together and they see the same connection, it makes me really feel like, yes, there is truth here. But continue your thought, please.
1: Well, I'm pretty much done right there. It's just that fact. That he's, he's there saying, to him be the glory and the rulership. So they're offering it. They're giving it they're giving it to him. In other words, it's the difference uh between saying he has it regardless of whether you like it or not and the difference between saying may he have it forever and ever. This is them saying and and it's specifically that rulership. This goes back to free will and he will not take it from you he is god whether you like it or not but to have rulership over you we still have to bow our knee and accept it and i never caught that before to him be they're giving it they're giving him rulership of all of their lives
0: yeah okay Um, it'll be a few moments before we get there, but
1: (laughs) (laughs) sorry if I jumped ahead. No,
0: no, that's like I said, I'm, I'm glad that you had that connection. Um, at the very least I feel vindicated. (laughs) So God is wiser than I will ever be. So if my, in my little kingdom, if I want to go, if I want it to go well, then I need to learn how to be a good King which, good, we learned is a, means functions correctly, I need to learn to be a king who functions correctly. And I think it's best to learn from the wisest king. So let's look into some of the words here. The first word that stood out to me is glory. It's Strong's Concordance 1391. And I'm pretty sure it's just doxa. Doxa. And the definition is opinion. Praise, honor, glory. The usage is honor, renown, glory, and especially divine quality, the unspoken manifestation of God, splendor. It can also literally mean what invokes good opinion, that something has inherent, intrinsic worth. So here's what I found interesting, that the first meaning is opinion, opinion. It literally means what invokes good opinion, belief that something has inherent, intrinsic worth. So I always wondered how a mere human being could give glory to God. But now it's starting to make sense to me. We give glory to God all the time just by having a good opinion of him. This podcast gives glory to God just because we don't want it to be about us. We want it to be about Him. We want to give our opinions that God is good and has inherent worth. This simple truth excites me, uh, excited me very much when I made this connection. It's driving me to give my opinion of God even more because just by doing so, I can give glory to God. The reason this excites me so much is because this is something I struggled with. How can I give glory to God? He's the glory. (laughs) But now I understand. I can give glory to God the way I always wanted to give it to him. And the word can also be used to say something has renown, a divine quality, and splendor. So just by having the good opinion of God that I have, I confirm he is divine, and he has splendor, and he has the glory. Hopefully that excites you guys too But for me that was a big deal Because I I have struggled Uh Frequently in prayers I have always said God I give you the mere Amount of glory that I can give because I'm A mere human being Yeah, Not realizing that I've actually been shouting glory to him So I just thought that was pretty cool I'm with you Uh, The next word I want to look at Is dominion Uh, This is Strong's Concordance 2904 And it's Kratos. This one means strength, might. Its usage is dominion, strength, power, a mighty deed. So it means strength and might, which you can kind of get that. And in verse six, it is followed by forever and ever. So strength and might forever and ever, but it also means a mighty deed. So what happens here in Revelation, the mighty deed, will be celebrated for ever and ever. Can you imagine, Scott, an event so awesome and so amazing that it is never forgotten and it is celebrated forever and ever?
1: Can I imagine it? Yeah. Well, right now, I would have to say that would be the, the cross...
0: But let's say time continues on as linear beings and they stop celebrating it. Yes, there are some people Uh that celebrate it and continue to celebrate it. But as we just discussed, we do have bad days where we're not celebrating. Uh, Okay. So think about it this way. An event that we just want to celebrate forever and ever.
1: Right. Because people change. Ideas, you know... uh society itself uh governments collapse and fall each generation has a new way of thinking that uh moves on yeah it would be difficult to keep that going forever and ever on this earth anything
0: imagine a celebration that never stops celebrating that event forever and ever
1: oh okay i get what you're going at now (laughs) like i thought i thought you're talking about like uh Every year we celebrate that event. You're talking about one continuous party. Yeah, just never stopping. Never stop. Oh my goodness, you're right. To celebrate that yeah.
0: deed forever and ever.
1: Yeah. Wow. No, I can't fathom that. I get where you're <laughs> going with that now. So yeah.
0: And I might have, uh, I might have lured you into that because I haven't actually spoke about the word ever yet. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, no, this thought just it, it came into my head. Revelation, when it's all said and done, when, when everything's been perfected, we're going to celebrate that forever and ever, one big party, forever and ever, because of this mighty deed that God does here.
1: All right, yeah.
0: Not saying that the cross wasn't a mighty deed. God right. is full of mighty deeds. But there are people today that will say that never happened.
1: <laughs> right.
0: This event, no one can deny. That okay.
1: Yeah, I'm with you.
0: <laughs> okay, so I tricked you a little bit. Let's look into that word ever. This one is Strong's Concordance 165. And I believe it's just ahi on. Like you would say eon, but you add a little extra to it. Ahion. And the definition is a space of time, an age, usage. An age, a cycle of time, especially of the present age as contrasted with the future age and of the one of a series of ages stretching to infinity. So we have discussed this in several podcasts now, so I won't spend too much time here. This just reinforces the idea of what I, of what I think it'll be like outside of time. An age that stretches into infinity. I will just say, though, I don't think I will ever truly get over the idea of what forever is going to be like. My mind just can't comprehend it. It's a concept beyond my mere human brain at this point. And also, it says forever and ever. Ever is used twice. So is this one age that stretches to infinity followed by another age that stretches to infinity? Because I don't get that. (laughs) But... If one infinity does not end, how can there be another one? This could just be how we sometimes reinforce an idea by giving it double importance. I do the same thing when I tell my wife, I will love her forever and ever. So it could just be saying, no guys, this is really it. This is forever and ever. (laughs) But when I was originally doing this study, I went right for the word ever because The word for did not pique my interest. But then I got caught up on this idea of ever and ever and wanted to investigate it more if I could. Sorry, I said I wouldn't spend much time on this, but (laughs) (laughs) sometimes the spirit has a different idea. So let's look into the word for. This one is Strong's Concordance 1519. And it is is, pretty sure. It means... To or into, indicating the point reached or entered of a place, time, purpose, result. Usage, into, in, onto, to, upon, towards, for, among. It's literally motion into which, implying penetration to a particular purpose or result. Now, it can also also, uh, be of place, after verbs of going, coming, selling, flying, falling, living, lending, carrying, throwing, sending, etc. Okay, so right off the bat, what surprised me was about this word was there was so much movement associated with it. Into, to, toward, among. But also, the word has been used after the verbs going, coming, sailing, flying, falling, living, leading, carrying, throwing, sending. So I don't know if you have any ideas on this, Scott, but what I was thinking about here is that we are moving into ever and ever. And it kind of feels like to me that it doesn't matter which way you come into ever and ever, just that you do come into ever and ever. It makes me think of David Crowder singing, come as you are, doesn't matter where you are in your life how bad you have sinned, what crime you have committed, how bad you have been hurt, how broken you feel. Come any which way you can and lay down your burdens. Lay down your sorrows. Fall in. Fly in. Jump in. Just get there.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I like that. Um, no, you're right. Ever and ever. Just make... Uh, so now, now it, I, I'm in one of those... I'm in one of those places again where my mind is working on it, and it's—I—I I, I don't have words yet, so I, I'm kind of stumbling and stuttering over my own, uh, my own tongue, because I'm my brain's going, oh, and what about, oh, it, oh, over here, there's, and I have no words to express it. So sorry, I'm not very good right now, but uh, I, yeah, I very much appreciate that that image. Just enter. Doesn't matter where you enter or how you enter. Just enter ever and ever.
0: So, yeah, basically it's just into forever and ever. Into infinity. Into this celebration of this mighty deed that will never end because it'll stretch on into infinity. Just get in there. (laughs) And I love that it literally can mean falling. I mean, how many times are we going to fall? How many times are we going to stumble? But we can still fall and we're going to be in ever and ever. That was actually a little encouraging to me. I, uh, I have a tendency to get pretty emotional when I think about how I've sinned and how I've failed and, and what I've done that might have hurt the Spirit. So it's nice when I make these connections of reassurance that it doesn't matter, Brad. Come as you are, stumble in, fall in. It doesn't matter
1: you know i'm uh, I'm skipping ahead and it has nothing to do with probably what you're going to say next, but i'm I'm reassured too that we're you you talked about earlier two witnesses, and a lot of what you're talking about right now is exactly what I'm going to talk about in my next Genesis study, so um it's just pretty cool. It feels like you're hitting you're coming to the same conclusions from a different angle so and and that in and of itself speaks to doesn't matter how you get here. Just enter the ever and ever. Yeah.
0: That that's a great point. And I mentioned um I mentioned the two witnesses, and I just want to clarify. We don't think we're those
1: two witnesses. Oh no, no.
0: <laughs> we we just uh Scott and I have discussed this before. There can be many two witnesses. And Scott was the answer to my prayer. I've talked about it. I won't rehash it, but it does feel like god brought us together for a reason for a purpose and so yeah we are two witnesses trying to get out the good opinion of god that's that's all that we're trying to do here the uh, the next word um actually the final word in verse 6 that i was curious about was amen now this word people probably know some stuff about and I know pretty much everything that I'm going to talk about here, but I still made a connection for its use here in this verse. And I think it's good to remind ourselves sometimes of even things that we know as truth. It's still good to reinforce it once in a while. So, amen. A lot of people probably know it means, so let it be, let it be. I also discovered that, oh, sorry, this is Strong's Concordance 281 and it basically means truly uh, but it can be verily truly amen at the end of sentences it may paraphrase by so let it be and it's very similar in hebrew if you want to look at that that one's five four three in the hebrew and and it's amen and same definition verily truly so be it truth I think a lot of people know about that so-be-it part, but what I learned from looking into this word is that it means truth. So basically you are saying, so let this statement of truth be. It also means faithfulness and being sure. So when God says amen, you know that the statement is faithful and sure because God is faithful and sure. When amen follows a statement, It is highlighting the statement and saying, this is truth. So if John puts amen here, and as we will see in the next study, he puts it at the end of verse 7, I think he is saying, this is truth. But to me, it's a lot like when I see truth. He's excited. He is excited to share this with us. And think about verse 5 and 6. This is exciting stuff. This, even if we didn't have any of the study or stuff that we talked about or the conclusions that I made, just reading it, it's exciting stuff full of truth. And I do the same thing. When I hear something that I know is truth, a lot of times I get excited, and I will just simply say, truth. But what's going on in my head is much bigger. It's, yes, truth. Which gets me excited, because when I feel like I have discovered truth, I personally, get a little sensation i like to think it's from the spirit and uh basically it's just a little friendly tickle but i love that feeling i love feeling like i'm in truth and i can't wait to the day when i'm always feeling like i'm in truth but that's selfish let's move on (laughs) this also when i think about it though makes me think about john and all the people of the bible they are humans just like us. And we're really not that far apart. They react with emotions, just like we do. They get excited and passionate, just like we do. I don't know if this is truth for a lot of people, but when I first started reading the Bible, I didn't put a lot of passion into it. I felt like there was this distance between the people and the events of the Bible and me.
1: Oh, I hear you. When I first started, it was more like a textbook.
0: Yes, a textbook, and actually, uh, in those early days, I would skip a lot of, I'd skip whole pages because I don't care about who birthed who and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I would just uh, get through that part just to get to the next action sequence, you know? I do know. <laughs> but uh, something that I have learned during my chasing is that these were real people having passionate encounters with God. They reacted to it just like I think I would, with strong emotions and awe and wonder. I know this now because I have had my own passionate encounters with God, and I know how amazing they can be. So I just appreciate that uh, when we have moments like this, when I recognize the emotion, when I recognize the passion, as we'll see, John will fall to his knees. He's terrified. Think about... Think about actually having an encounter with God. Right this moment, God walks into the room and just does something miraculous. Or even if he just walked into the room, how would you react to it? We all believe in him, for sure. But there's no clear way to know how we would actually respond until it happens. Will we fall to our knees in fear and terror? Will we fall to our knees to praise? Would we invite him in as an old friend? We just don't know. Mm-hmm. And the Bible is full of all of that. It's full of actual, genuine reactions to having an encounter with a God, the God. So I, basically what I'm saying is I appreciate moments like this because that could be me. And that will be me at some point. Okay. Uh, Scott, you, I'm starting to reel it in a little bit now. Do you have anything at this point that you want to say
1: not in particular just kind of absorbing it all i do like i i have my general emotions right now with what you're what you've been talking about is just this sense of grandeur about the whole thing and i guess that's where i am that's that's where my mind is right now just just kind of that humbled awe in this giant picture of of who God is at the, at this moment. I guess that's the best way I can describe it. I guess forever and ever. You know that that whole. See, I should stop talking now because I'm just mumbling. But it's it, it's like you've said before. You know, it's too big to comprehend. So it's like my mind is trying to wrap around all of this and it can't do it. So I'm kind of in this <laughs> haze and fog right now. Going, oh man, I. I'm trying to imagine the unimaginable and my brain is fighting with me.
0: (laughs) I I get that. I get that. I struggle with that all the time too, but I enjoy doing it. It is fun. It is fun to realize that there is way more than just what our senses can pick up here. There's way more yet to discover. And I think that's why you and I do this. This is why we want to look deeper than just the printed word Mm -hmm. because we know that there is hidden gems there. And uh, it's fun. Yeah. I I have a lot of fun when I'm able to really look into it and find new conclusions and ideas. And, and, uh, like I said, I love when I feel like I've got something of truth. I don't ever want to be so arrogant to say, I have all truth. (laughs) No. Oh no, 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 no. But I do. And in that
1: too, you got me thinking, you know, when people say like, someone will say something and someone else will respond Truth. Now, every time I hear that, I'm going to be thinking that they're saying, amen.
0: <laughs> so be it. So be it. Okay. So I'm going to end this study by reading verses 4 through 6 one more time. And I hope that everyone listening will remember that amen means so be it. And this is a statement of truth. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, listeners, Scott, let us move into forever and ever as kings and priests unto God and let his mighty deed be celebrated forever and ever and let this statement of truth be.
1: Amen. This has been Brad. And this has been Scott. And this has been Not About Us.